Come with me as we dive into some of the most intimate diaries a person could share. My mission is to inspire you to push through during the toughest of times, too. Thank you for being here. This is Push Diaries Podcast, and I'm your host, Tess. Thank you so much for being here. I know I haven't mentioned this much on the podcast yet, but your support on this show means a lot. If you have time, please head to Instagram and Facebook and follow me on social media. Every share that you give a friend and family is greatly appreciated, and I am honored to be able to bring inspiring stories to all of you so that we feel less alone in such a crazy time. The beautiful thing about these episodes and this podcast is it can be listened to at any time as anyone will be able to find connections to it in ways that they can be inspired. I want to hear your stories. Email me at pushdiariespodcast at gmail.com to submit an idea for the show. Your stories matter. You are a survivor. If you're listening to this, it means you've made it through a lot of hard times. Or if you haven't, I'm hoping that the stories will help you throughout life as you are challenged, stretched, and tested. It's important to lean on one another through difficult times as we support one another to cope in a healthy way that doesn't further isolate us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your support. And most of all, thank you for listening. I am actually having my therapist on the podcast today to talk about... (laughs) cognitive distortions. And I just think it is really good information. I know I have recommended before to friends and family and probably the listeners alike that The Four Agreements is an excellent book to check out if you guys are looking into ways of self-growth and maturation. So check it out. It's really good. And today we're going to be talking about Brene Brown's guideposts test. It is awesome. The assessment you can actually take online. It is called Brene Brown's Wholehearted Inventory. It's really neat. It actually scores you from the wholehearted inventory. They are organized by the 10 guideposts that I keep referring to that represent the daily practices of wholehearted living and what that means. There is a detailed description of the guideposts, and that can be found in The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown, which is a book that came out in 2010. She also has it listed on her website, and I will be sure to link that in the show notes. It says, you will notice that guidepost 5 is absent from the report. This is because we discovered that cultivating intuition and trusting faith requires a combination of complex assessment rather than a concise set of items that can be incorporated into a more comprehensive inventory. Scores are presented on a continuum between the letting go of behaviors and the cultivating behaviors. A score in the middle of the continuum indicates that you are midway on the journey for that guidepost. You are equally likely to engage in daily behaviors that cultivate wholeheartedness and those that do not. Your report is intended to be a guide for areas that you may want to work on in your daily behaviors. So without further ado, here is Carmen and I. All right, I'm recording. And so what I'll do, Carmen, is any hum in the background on your end or my end, I'll be able to Mm -hmm. take that out. Oh, okay. Audacity program will do that too. Yeah. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Anybody could make a podcast. You guys know by this time, you know, it's episode 20 that I just put out, that I'm kind of a loud person. I cough, I laugh, I, you know, Carmen. You should. Yeah, you know this about me too. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, Carmen is a therapist and she and I met years ago and I started seeing her because of my cancer, what what do you call it, cancer journey and kind of transitioning into life with a disability and she's really helped me sort of realize that my situation is not something that I need to fall victim to. Is that a good way to say it, Carmen? Sure. Yeah. Find ways to find your power, I guess you could say. Yeah. Just for people that don't know you, why did you want to become a therapist? Oh, gee, I haven't been asked that question in, I tell you. Um, I, I didn't have like a Here's the messed up things that happened in my life, and now I want to help people because I figured it out. 
Um, that didn't really, I mean, yes, my life was messed up and I've had plenty of traumas, but it was more of like, I kind of just always knew I would be one. I don't know. I remember being like a freshman in high school. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, do you feel like growing up, were you the type of friend that people would come to you for advice and like uplifting or kind of emotional reasoning or or not necessarily because how do you just know you're going to be a therapist like why like i've always had the ability to kind of step outside and observe things so yeah i guess the way i approach a lot of stuff is less personal and less you know it's more emotionally balanced and i just kind of inherently had that and that's cool i don't know that's yeah, cool I, tell I admire you for the way that you're able to do that. And I, you know, I think for me, and I talk about this in my notes here as we get started, but you've really showed me how to separate my own feelings towards something. Because like me being an empath is a positive thing, right? Right. Yes. But it's important for me. Learning how to do that is important. Right. Like I can't drain my tank for other people. I have to keep enough in my tank. And Empathy is, you know, people that are listening and for you too, Carmen, as a therapist, it's like we hear sad things all the time, but we can't put our health at risk for other people or those negative things that don't serve us in any way. Right. Well, and empathy is about being able to put yourself near the person's shoes. So if I'm going to like try and live and feel your experience to the best of my ability, I'm going to need to make sure I have ways to not walk around with that carrying me through the day, you know? Right. Exactly. Your life and my life. Yeah. How should we do this? Should we just go through the guideposts and explain what they are? What yeah. Do you- well, do you want to give some little history of like what you know? The assessment you can actually take online. It is called Brene Brown's Wholehearted Inventory. It's really neat. It actually scores you from the Wholehearted Inventory. They are organized by the 10 guideposts that I keep referring to. So on the left side of the score sheet, it says letting go of what people think, perfectionism, numbing and powerlessness, scarcity and fear of the dark, comparison, exhaustion as a status symbol, and productivity is self-worth, anxiety is a lifestyle, self-doubt and supposed to, being cool and always in control, unclear and uncommitted values. On the right-hand side, which is where we all want to get in life, is called cultivating. The guideposts there are authenticity, self-compassion, resilient spirit, gratitude and joy, creativity, play and rest, calm and stillness, meaningful work, laughter, song, and dance, and value, clarity, and commitment. The Wholehearted Inventory by Brene Brown can be found at www.brenebrown.com forward slash wholehearted inventory. One of the first things Carmen recommended to me, you guys, for kind of starting my own personal growth of maturation and just figuring out my self-identity and how I process things. She recommended that I read the book, The Four Agreements. It is excellent. You know, I think it's really cool when when we're talking about like chemical dependency or substance abuse and um, things filling us up maybe in a way that is um, putting a band-aid over our hurts versus actually facing the things that cause us to not be resilient. I think it's really cool that the four agreements talk about like being impeccable with your word because I, I know I'm kind of jumping around here, but in um, AA, a lot of people have a hard time with starting to make promises that they can't keep or they say, mm-hmm. you know, they're the yes people like, yes, I'll do that for you, but then it doesn't happen. Right. So right. do you want to add anything well, about the four agreements, Carmen? Because I think you could give yeah. a good blurb on that. Well, um, Don... The author of the book, he is a shaman, and he talks about the domestication, you could say, of humans. And what he means by that is this, like, generationally we're passed down agreements of, like, how to live life, how to feel life, how to experience life, how to whatever with life. And so a lot of the times things that, you know, the people who are primary attachment figures 
they teach us how they live their life and then that's how we should live our life and sometimes along with some of that stuff like how they cope like our primary caregivers and how they cope is best I mean they're doing the best they can with what they have but then we then think that that's the way that we need to do things and so the four agreements is basically this condensed version of uh here are these four agreements like these are four truths of life and then like how I use that in therapy with people once they make themselves more aware of like what these look like is then we learn how to identify quote-unquote agreements that happen in people's lives and the way they view the world and then we need to work on either adjusting them keeping them or get rid of getting rid of them like that's how that works yeah for me yeah and it was very beneficial for me to learn about those agreements because again like you said these are things that we've learned from the time we're children until we're adults and then finally when you're an adult And I even think about, like, child development and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's like all those things impact us, how we react, how we look at ourselves. And it is. It's important to sort of have these guideposts that Brene Brown brought out and these four agreements have tested us with because, like you said, it helps us figure out who we are at our core, not a mirror image of the people around us or how we were brought up. Right. Like we don't have to live life the way that. Yeah. And that another uh, part of that, too, if the soup, the soup of therapy, if you will, the layer that often comes in would be attachment issues and how we're raised and how to not take things personally again. Like so one of the agreements is don't take things personal, as you know. Yeah. And be impeccable with your word. I mentioned that. Another person who like is a forerunner in attachment theory, her name is Diane Poole Heller, and she has a really good YouTube video about the attachment styles and how to not take things personally um, that I reference people too often. Ooh, to, like, learn. I will link that in the notes for people to be able to go watch that. Her name is okay. Diane Poole, P-O-O-L-E, Heller. Heller, cool. Yes. So she's got that, that, that often helps too. So like when we, when we try to heal our attachment wounds, which are a lot of to do with agreements that like, you know. Yeah. Like an example would be someone growing up without a dad and then looking maybe for like sexual fulfillment from a man. Right. Like that could be an example. Like in attachment wise. Yes. Agreement wise, not necessarily. Agreements are more about. Like a like a less um, intense one, I would say, would be things like, you know, I grew up with a belief system that I had to, like, be a factory worker or, like, work 40 years, 50 years, do a full-time job that, you know, industrial-wise, right? Like, oh, sure. Like, you're not successful. Not success. Like, sure. a trade. Not, like, college. Not like, you know, if I go to college, that's, you know, that's for those other people or you know that's kind of the the like subliminal messages I got about like from my father when I was growing up right even though he didn't work in a factory but I had grandparents that did you know sure um so then I thought that if I didn't do that then I wasn't measuring up as a good human yeah because it was realizing right yeah it was such a basic like, but very ingrained thing that your family had. So you were comparing your successes to that. Right. Yeah. But then feeling like I didn't measure up as a human if I didn't do those things. Like, you know, if I were to work 40 hours a week with people fully or more, learning about where my limits are is a good thing. It's an empowering thing rather than this, like, meaning I'm less of a person because... I I know my limitations, right? Like, being able to be here for you and live my life is kind of a big deal. Like, I can't burn a candle at both ends and then just fade out. You know, I'm never going to work as a successful therapist. So, so I have to learn what my limits are rather than working a full-time job just seeing, you know, if I were to just see clients 40 hours a week, then also 
paperwork, phone calls, you know, that's you're not doing to let go of. Yeah, you're not yeah. doing your best at that point. So like right. the last two agreements I think that you and I haven't covered are the don't make assumptions. This says find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings, sadness, and dramas. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. Yeah. And I know that one's come up a lot with me and, you know, codependency with my family. I love them dearly and I'm not talking smack, but I'm just, you know, saying it as it is that um, a lot of times my family members and me included react to something or take it personal, which is a direct assumption that is only going to add fuel to the fire. Right, Carmen? Right. Yeah. And then I, when I assume something you say or a behavior that you do rather than like asking about it. Yeah. That's something. It's like that old road to live, like everyday relationship, like living life, like that erodes away at our relationships when I walk around full of assumptions about how people are doing, which often turns into a coping skill for a lot of people. Yeah. Even if they have like learning disabilities or like cognitive like a big coping skill that people do is that like try to assume the outcome of what you're going to say or do so that they don't appear like a deficit in some way. Right. You know, right. Like we're supposed to all know what's happening and like be like cognitively aware and like not get screwed over by people and like all this weird stuff, you know, that isn't really real in the day to day world. Yeah. It's, it's hard. That is a really tough one. I, um, again, being an empath, I think I just do react and I can even make assumptions for how someone's feeling about something and I could be way off. And that's something that I love about this podcast too, is I'm able to hear people's journeys and really let them speak. And this is another issue with like how we always say, I mean, everybody's heard as we've grown up, like, listen bigger than talking because if you make assumptions to protect yourself right in the long run it feels like it's to protect yourself yeah you're not actually learning what is bothering someone or what's bothering even you if you just make an assumption right when we like when we empath like you say when when, because you're an empath like you know that means you're like like, in some some circles, that means, like, you're transmuting other people's emotions. Like, you see these little, like, um, like, I've seen these little, like, short videos of, like, have you ever seen the one where the person, like, walks up to somebody, gives them a hug, and then they, like, drain the black into their body? Yes, I've seen that. So, that is not healthy empathing. Okay? No. That is not an okay way of doing that like I can't take all of your stuff when I meet with you and then walk around with it all day like that's not what empathing is right empathing is more about being with you while you're in it and feeling it too but then disconnecting from it right when we're done like that's that's what empathing is about like there's sort of these misconceptions about what that means you know yeah no, I love that you brought up that image. It's That is a very powerful image. You do. You have to disconnect. You have to not carry other people's hurts with you as you go. Right. And then, Carmen, always do your best. That's the fourth agreement. And I love that you talk about, like, our sickness, like how I view my disability as a sickness or I once did or even the surgery mm-hmm. you had because um, you, Carmen, had a organ transplant and that's traumatizing too so you and I have both had to work through doing our best without using our sickness or previous health issues as like a I don't know a wall can you speak a little bit to that well sure um well you know always do your best isn't about running from an empty cup always doing your best is more about Learning how to keep yours full and then sharing, but then filling yours at the same time. Like, knowing that I'm going to go through hard stuff, that sometimes I'm not going to cope well with it, and sometimes I am. 
But that doesn't mean that in the times that I didn't cope well with whatever happened in my life didn't mean that I wasn't doing the best I could with what I had. Like in any given moment, I'm literally doing the best I can with what I have. Right. And we're not focusing on our past. We're not. Right. We're not living in our narrative. Like our, you know, I guess if I ever asked you, why are you this way? Have I ever asked you that question? Yes. No. No? Oh, sorry. No. That's a, it's a, you ask that question. You're always like, why, 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 why? Right? Yeah. I often say the why is not as important as how. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'm definitely the one who asks us why. And the only reason why we do talk about that is because I bring it up all the time. I do. You're right. I get very caught up in the why and... Why is and that, that how living in your narrative? Yeah, so why is the that's how why I bring it up? Why is the how more important? Well, if I'm gonna live I mean if you think about it, you know, we live our life through a lens, right? I see the world the way I see the world, which is not the way that you see the world. Yeah. And so well I have to understand what lens I'm looking through. Like even when it's mine. Like Am I walking through the world wounded because someone cut me off in traffic? Like, I'll be as basic as that. Or am I walking in the world wounded because I was molested when I was a child? Like, those are both emotional reactions to situations. Yeah. And so if we're living in our emotional state, because that's what we really, like, a lot of people are like, no, no, I don't do that. But if you really think about it, Like, I am viewing the world on my past experiences, am I not? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, a culmination of who I am is currently walking me through the world today. Right. It doesn't mean that I have to, like, get rid of all of that, but I don't have to keep walking through my life with all the weight. Yes. Like, I can can unload it. Yes, I love that analogy. Doing the best you can with what you have and always do your best is is mostly about, too. Yeah. You know, so if I'm, if I'm, if I'm doing this with what, you know, like sometimes I'm going to be emotionally charged. Sometimes I'm going to react irrationally. Sometimes I'm going to whatever. But then also other times I'm not going to. Sometimes it's going to be from love. I'm going to have gratitude and yeah, all these things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We do our best. And in and, and the same token, what you're saying is don't dwell on little mistakes, you know, and that's yes. why it's so important. Yeah, it's important to be forgiving of others too in that same breath. So And yourself. Yes, yes, our ourself first. And that's another thing we're gonna talk about with Brunei's guidepost. So this is a good transition because we have to love ourselves before we can love other people. If we're not loving ourselves, we can't help other people. So And what that means can entirely be construed by other people is to interpret it in the way in which they see fit. Which can be why I cut you off is because some people are like, oh, that's bullshit. I can totally love my spouse or my boyfriend or my father or my mother or my siblings or my friends. Yeah. Even if I don't love myself. That's not what we're talking about. Is it? No. What are we talking about? Well, I would look at that. The quality of how we love the people around us is directly impacted by... The quality of how we treat ourselves. Exactly. Hey there, I'm a born Minnesotan, now Michigan girl whose life was thrown into an ineffable state of uncertainty in 2014. I was 24 years old and diagnosed with a rare deadly tumor. Superhuman doctors at the Mayo Clinic of Rochester, Minnesota saved my life by cutting me in half, then putting me back together again with my leg bone. We decided to put me in a cauldron full of chemotherapy drugs for nearly a year in hopes of killing the mutated cells, while my incisions in my skin from three days of surgery took seven months to heal. It was so tough, but I'm so glad I'm here with you all on the other side. My fiance Tyler and I have started creating bonus content for our Patreon supporters. Patreon gives creators the tools needed to acquire, manage, and energize their paying patrons. Having to ask people for money is difficult, and your support of this show is greatly appreciated. Thank you for sharing in my dream, and be sure to check out the bonus content online at patreon.com for 
forward slash push diaries podcast. Let's get back to the show. And again, this goes back to, you know, for those of you that are religious or spiritual, I mean, there's even biblical parallels to this about being equally yoked. And, you know, the whole time we've all grown up, people say like, oh, you're the company you keep. And there is some truth to that. Because if we involve ourselves with abusive people, we're probably going to talk to ourselves in our mind in an abusive way. Correct. So these guideposts and the four agreements are not meant to shame you or should you or make you feel bad. That's right. They're meant to challenge you and help you break out of those narratives. Carmen, I love that you use that word from our childhood or from our past experiences so that we're not pulling around luggage. Again, I love that metaphor or that analogy. Why are we carrying around a suitcase that is so painful that we can set down and walk without it? I just think that is such a great analogy. So, backpack, suitcase, however we want to carry it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that's cool. We just talked for like 20 minutes about the four agreements. And I love that because it's important and I want to do that. And Carmen, if we like get to the end of our hour and we have more stuff to talk about, we can just pause it and finish it next time if that's okay. For sure. Um, Because I obviously want to be respectful of your time, but also not fly through all of these in a way that is rushed or confusing to the listeners. So for sure. Thank you for taking time with me to do this today. So so, yeah, so people have a backstory on the guideposts, kind of. I mean, okay. we have to go through them because there's 10 of them. Um, <sighs> do you think we should talk about them one by one, or should I talk about my results right away? I don't know. Um, so, so in, just a quick question, like in your synopsis of it, do you talk about the book? The Gifts of Imperfection. If people want to buy that book or or read it, it's great. It came out in 2010, didn't it, Carmen? I'm pretty sure. I can't remember. It's been around a while. Yes, Brene Brown recently developed through years of research and data this uh, inventory, they call it, a wholehearted inventory that she just came out with. And by no means am I sponsored to say any of this stuff. It's just things I love. And like, good that I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like, oh yeah, happened. Yeah, like no, absolutely. And what I love like, about Brene Brown too is she's very inclusive. She doesn't. Very. She doesn't talk about again. You know, I made the parallel with like being equally yoked, but you know, she is able to help a lot more people being inclusive um, in the way that she talks about wholehearted living, and I love that about her because. Whether you believe in Jesus or not or the things he taught, I know that our morality deep down and our value system really does align with all of these things, no matter what your faith is or what your background is. So yeah, it's very, very cool. Yeah, so I was reading the article you sent me, Carmen, and one of the first quotes at the top said, What do wholehearted people have in common? Most yes. people are held back by shame and a lot of fear of vulnerability, and it limits their potential. Brene studied these topics for years and began to notice outliers. There were individuals who seemingly did things differently. Brown has called these outliers the wholehearted. These people who are living and loving with their whole hearts, despite the risks and uncertainty and vulnerabilities. So, again, that's a place I want to be. I think that's a place that you have come to, and... The other thing that's really cool, I love that she said, wholeheartedness is like a North Star. You can never get yes. there, but you know when you're headed in the right way. Right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so in her inventory, she uses it. He gives you information based on a scale. Not like you're in the right or you're in the wrong. Right. Like here you're living in this and you could cultivate more of this. Yep. I love right. that. I love that. And like... She says authenticity isn't like a fixed thing, like you're saying. No, it's it's right. a daily practice. And letting go of who we think we are is what we're supposed to do so that we can embrace who we actually are. So I, I love that. I love that. That's where the agreements kick in. Yes, yeah. yes. So this all does tie in together. And like you said, why reinvent the wheel when it's all here for us? Exactly. Um, you need someone like a therapist to tie in the puzzle pieces. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is why therapy is important, everybody. Get out there and find a therapist. 
Carmen's worked through all this stuff, too. It's not like she just woke up one day and was like, oh, yeah, I get all this. Right, Carmen? Like, you've had to do work on yourself, too, and figure out what works for you and what your weaknesses are, because none of us are perfect. We're human. No, that's right. 100%. So, all right. Well, I think we should dive into these guideposts, because I feel like we have a good base, and as we go, we'll touch on a lot of these things. So, you have the notes. here we go. Yes. I'm just <laughs> so, no, I'm glad. I, I want you to kind of push me along too, because, like I said, this is really good for me to say out loud because it is something that I can practice and it like becomes fruition for me, you know, if I actually sure. talk about it. That's right. The first guidepost that Brene Brown talks about cultivating authenticity and letting go of what other people think. Yep. So the first one for putting it into practice, because that sounds pretty basic, right? But it says, (laughs) identify who you are when you're at your best. Make a list of that. When I'm at my best, I am this. Then make it a habit to show up in that way. I love this because, uh, again, I'm a person who sometimes would guilt myself or try to act in a way that was mirroring. I don't know if that's a word, but we're just going to pretend like it is. Yeah, Yeah, it is you know, what other people think of me or what I think other people think of me. And that's dumb. I need to let that go. So instead, I'm going to fly a celebratory kite that is who I am at my best. So like, I'm a funny person. I like humor. And it's not necessarily something that I do to like cover up the hard stuff. But it's something that I do because I'm joyful and I'm celebratory and I really yes. with my disability need to figure out how to get back into that. So humor, more joy, yes, more joy, more humor. Those were two things that I really realized I need to work on and put into practice. Yeah. Yeah. It says like, notice when you're trying to please others or get caught in worrying about what others think. Note these moments within needs work and shift back to your authentic self. So if I get into a place where I'm using humor to band-aid an insecurity I have, I can yep. shift that back into a place of authenticity. Yes, you can. Doesn't mean you can't use humor. Just means that using humor in the way in which you're talking about isn't your most authentic self. Yeah, and I love that. Do you have mm-hmm. an example of when you're your best or or what has helped you be your best? Just reminding myself that it's, you know, I have that tendency in me. I could become one of those uh, perfectionistic types of people where I, like, get real hard on myself. I really wanted to live in some of that. And then being myself, sometimes I, um, you know, I come across conflict. I mean, we all are going to when we're being our authentic self. It's not like everybody's going to welcome us with open arms because we're being us, you know. That's not how this works. Right, right. when those things in our environment happen. Yes, we think then subconsciously, oh, I got to make myself smaller. I got to go back to that other way so that it don't create a ripple. It don't cause a wave. But then we get caught up in owning everybody else's shit. Mm, yes. Yes. I also love everyone out there that my therapist swears because I very well <laughs> understand swear words when we're talking about things like this because it well, is shit. They help. It literally is shit. Like you said, it's the black stuff that just oozes into us and weighs us down. And we don't need to carry that heaviness. That's ridiculous. No. Yeah. So I think that's where that comes in with the guideposts. Is that cultivating more of being authentic and losing more of what other people think of us has to do with when we, A, take things personally, and B, own it. Yes. Like it's our truth. When it's not. Like, one of the defining moments, I guess I'd say, of my life is I went through something pretty significant, and it messed me up pretty heavily, and I had to learn, and other people were involved, and so I really had to learn what that was my part, rather than all owning all the parts, and that sort of, like, gave me my power back to, like, be who I am, rather than always getting caught up in what other people think, right, right, right. Yeah, that's a huge, that's a huge undertaking, and I bet that wasn't comfortable to go through, but it's great that you did because you were able to, like you said, only carry what you had to and right. not I don't, hold I don't take no responsibility in my life. I work hard on learning what is my part 
and then being accountable for those parts. Right. There's people who tend to, you know, not take any responsibility and then they take all. Well, I tend to fall in the category of codependent take all. Yeah. Yeah. No, me too. Codependency is a huge, huge issue in my life. And again, it's good that we understand how people are hurting, but we don't want to have to carry things that aren't ours. And we also have to be accountable and work through what is. Mm Mm-hmm. So, that is a perfect segue into guidepost number two, cultivating self-compassion and letting go of perfectionism. Isn't it nice how that went into that so well? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. She doesn't, like, plan any of that out or anything, I wouldn't think. I mean, I don't know. Right? But it's like, our the kindness we give ourselves, again, it's following a North Star. It's like, it's like water in a river. It, it just flows. It's not... It's not something we're going to attain immediately. You can't put all the water in a river into a cup, right? You have to kind of get in and float down. And with that comes self-kindness. It says right here in guidepost number two, it says, if you can't give compassion to yourself, you won't be able to give it to others. Self-compassion has three main um, elements as identified by Kristen Neff, a leading researcher in the field. It says first, it's self-kindness. This means being as nice to yourself as you would be to others when you make a mistake. Second, it's recognizing our common humanity. No matter what you're going through in life, you are not alone. Anytime you're struggling with something, know that there are other people out there who share in that challenge. So we're not alone. We We don't have to alienate ourselves when something goes wrong or we go through a challenge because People have gone through it before, right? Like, I'm not yep. the first person to have cancer. No. And Definitely not. One note I put in here too, Carmen, is this is literally the mission of my podcast. I want people to feel like they're not alone. And I know this too is why you're doing the work you're doing and helping people get through this stuff because we're humans. Right. We are. Um, the third is it's practicing mindfulness by allowing ourselves to actually feel what we're feeling without over identifying with those feelings. And I guess, Carmen, this kind of goes into the cognitive distortions that we'll talk about probably next time I have you on the phone. Sure. And a lot of that is mindfulness. Like you mentioned, perfectionism. On the other hand, it does the opposite. It encourages you to be mean to yourself disconnect you from others, and resist feeling what you're actually feeling. It ignores the constraints of reality and drags you down with it. Yes. And I love that it says, yeah, and I love, and I'm totally reading this off the website, so thank you, but I have to give the credit back to Brene Brown here. and (laughs) And it says, she had two things. It said, do not do unto yourself with what you would do not, oh my gosh, I can't read. Do not do unto yourself what you would not do unto others. Be kind right. to yourself. Know you're human like everyone else and accept that you're accept what you're feeling without judgment. Pay attention to when your perfectionist tendencies kick in. Choose instead to be an optimalist. This means maintaining yes. sincere effort on the things you can control while embracing the constraints of reality. If it's out of your control, it is not worth your energy. That's right. Because that's how we get caught up, I would add, into, oh, I'll just add another layer in here. So there's this gentleman, his name is Joe Dispenza, and I follow his work pretty, uh, I haven't attended any of his workshops or trainings yet, but I've gone through some of his online trainings. He's amazing. Integrated it into my own life. And Carmen. He talks about what? He's the guy who was on the Heal documentary that you recommended, recommended too, and he's awesome. Yes. So he talks about living in our recent future, our recent past. And that's how we kind of keep disconnected, you could say. Like, um, like where I brought in that idea that we're all, we're, we're living the lens, we're living life through the lens of all of our past experiences, you know, and we get caught up in that emotional, he calls them emotional addictive states, right? Where I get caught up in living in guilt. I just had someone tell me 
it was, it, it's, it's what I like most about my job is like working myself out of a job. And I know that sounds silly, but when I hear someone say what someone said to me the other night, someone told me, I'm not sure. No, they didn't say it that way. I'm trying to remember. That's okay. They Take said, your time. I'm afraid. They said, I'm afraid to let go of my trauma because I don't know who I am without it. Yeah. It's incredible how Joe Dispenza and the Heal documentary talked about negative thought processes and how that really becomes habit. And we don't even realize, like you're saying, that client who didn't even know who they were without those negative normal reactions or brain functions. Right. But, but, But hearing that person say that, I knew then that they had the ability to now move forward. They finally disconnected from identifying as their trauma because they were able to separate themselves enough away from it for that split second to realize it was something weighing them down. Yeah. Yep. And again, using your organ transplant or, you know, me uh, with my disability or my wheelchair, I know we worked through that with me too, yeah. You know, over the last year, you you would say, like, Tess, you're not your chair. Like, you're a right. vessel that happens to use a chair, right. but you are not the limitations of your chair. No. Because knowing my limits, though, empowers me to manage my life, not be a victim. Yeah. I can't live in ignorance and think that, you know, me who can use my legs can even run a marathon. Like, yeah. I'm not able to do that. But why do I, why would I use that then as a quote unquote guidepost? It's like, well, I'm never going to live up to that. So what's the point? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you use the word ignorance. I know you and I have talked a lot about, and I'm going to go down a rabbit hole just for a quick second. But, <laughs> but you know, we've talked about politics and Black Lives Matter. And um, yeah. it's amazing how people can speak without listening when they don't know an experience because they might be white and have zero black friends or have zero black members in their community. And mm-hmm. ignorance can be really difficult well ignorance is not knowing what you don't know we've talked about that yes and then how do i how do i end up know how do i know what i don't know because as soon as i know it i'm no longer ignorant to it right like it's this interesting space to visit where your your mind might melt sometimes but yeah like what kind of comes through that is there's a third option Okay, cognitive distortion, you mentioned it, I'll briefly touch on it. One of them is all or nothing thinking. When we think that it's either standing with police or standing with black people or looking at it like a political polarization. Yeah, it's black and white. That's all or nothing thinking. Right. That's a distortion. Yes. There's always a third option. There's more than three. But generally, if people can try to get to third option, they'll find more balance, more middle road. Okay. Yeah. That's the that's the that's the important part. It's like not living in that all or nothing black or white thinking and trying to find more gray, which then gets messy where the perfectionist doesn't like to live. But that's what Brene talks about in her wholehearted living is not living in an extreme, you know, living in the mess. And, like, accepting your humanity is part of, I mean, isn't that part of some religion? Absolutely. We have to love our neighbor. And, you know, you know, you and I are are no better than each other. We have to be our own vessels and love ourselves and love the people around us. And, And that's what Jesus would want people to do. Jesus wouldn't want people to be white supremacists or put. Radical, yes. People who cause violence. Yes, or yeah, it's it's all the Democrats or it's all the Republicans. It's like, wait a minute, where is the third option? And it's disappointing to see the leaders of our country not hold themselves accountable to their own personal growth. And it's amazing how 
someone in their 60s or 70s still have not worked through the four agreements or these guideposts. Well, they, they didn't know what they don't know, right? right. But that's how you start that. Like, that's like, rather than getting angry at people who are reacting, rather than listening, yeah. you know, um, they only can, they're doing the best with what they have, right? Like, that, that always do your best thing, like they are also doing the best with what they have. Yeah. And that might make you sad, and that might make you mad, and that might hurt you, and that, I mean, there's a lot of things, but that's part of being human. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, this is the thing that's important to really, like, integrate into this part of this guidepost is that we just, you know, if we could just sit still long enough to allow the third option to come about. Yeah. Like, there, it, you know, we, 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 when our fear kicks in, we want to go, I need an answer right now. I need to do, I got to do something. I got to, I just got to do something. Yeah, right? it's like and all or nothing. Rationally, impulsively. Like we, you know, we either minimize the crap out of everything or we catastrophize everything or, you know, there's a third option. Like we need to sit on our hands long enough to find it. Like that's, yeah. that's the important part, you know? Yeah. I love that. I Self-compassion and what was the other side of it? Um, yeah, self-compassion. And then the second one said... Um, pay attention to when your perfectionist tendencies kick in. Choose instead to be an optimalist. This means yes. maintaining sincere effort on the things you can control while embracing the constraints of reality. So again, that goes back to the comment about ignorance. You know, we can control how we treat our, our black neighbors and we can control how we stand up for our LGBT friends and family. Um, and it says, while embracing the constraints of reality, understanding that there are a lot, there are, we have so far to go, right? With advocating yeah. for disability rights or LGBT rights. And if it's out of your control, though, it's also, so I'm sorry, I got political there again, but it just says, choose instead to be an optimist. This mean, mean, means maintaining sincere effort on the things you can control while embracing the constraints of reality. If it's out of your control, it is not worth your energy. So, again, Carmen, when we see people that are not knowing what they don't know, we can love them, but not lose our mind. But you can also hold them accountable. Right? Yes. Like if somebody's driving 90 and a 55 and they get pulled over and they say, I didn't know that it was 55. Yeah. You kind of know that they maybe probably knew that it might have been 55. Right. But like at the same time realistically we don't know like maybe they missed all the signs like yeah know? or maybe their wife is in labor <laughs> and in exactly. that and in that case then we would be like okay that makes sense but um yeah but then dangerous putting yourself in you know like that the speed limit one is a good one for that metaphor because if i'm driving 90 to 55 and i got somebody in labor in my car i really probably shouldn't be driving 90 to 55 anyway right right yeah. we Even, have to yeah. We still right. we still have to be mature in our environment. We can't yes. be crazy. No. So, um I think that we did a good job. I I know that this now I'm thinking this is going to be like a three-part thing. <laughs> Which is fine and no surprise because I loved the podcast you were on too, Carmen, where there were multiple parts because this yeah. stuff is intense. It's complex. It's not something we can just fly over. So, we have covered the four agreements and the first two guideposts, and when we come on right. next time, we'll t we'll talk about guidepost three and go from there and see how far we get. But um, thank you for your time, and I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I feel empowered because for those of you that don't know, and no one does know this except for Carmen and a few close friends, over the past three months, I have been very hard on myself and really stuck in my luggage that we're talking about carrying mm -hmm. and really been carrying a lot of shame and guilt. And, you know, we'll talk about this later on in more guideposts, but I'm realizing that, like, the opposite of play or ease or relaxing for me, as of late, has been depression, and I've kind of put yeah. that on myself, right, Carmen? Like, is there anything you want to say in closing about that? 
Um, you know, I tend to like look at things less of like, you know, we, we in society, I actually, as a therapist, try to like move away from words like depression and anxiety a lot of the time, because we don't really know, like we aren't fully informed yet. Like I feel like uh, like it's not, not a fe- like it's not an end it's not an end right. diagnosis is what you're saying right like I can have anxiety like I can be anxious about something but then anxiety is more of a state that I'm living in that I'm like getting into that mentality where I don't feel empowered and I feel weaker and so then helping somebody find their power decreases anxiety right, right. Right. And then we got to talk about neurobiology. So I only got, you know, a couple minutes. Yeah. Neurobiology is then like how our brain wires and fires together and how circuits are made. Yep. And how we, how there's, how our, as we age, you know, our gray matter and our brain makes it a little harder to change. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of goes into that, you know. So, yes, like if I'm depressed, like I'm in a state, like I've, I've been in my own funk for the last week, let's say. And just knowing that I'm in it and acknowledging it and then not on myself about being in it and being like, okay, like, what do you need in this moment? Well, I'm just going to like, don't out watch TV. Okay. Well, you know, there's that other side of me that's like, well, you should probably exercise or do something like meditate or whatever, right. you know, but at the same time, I have to honor both sides of myself, right? Like, yes, those would be better coping skills, but sometimes I just can't. Yeah. Sometimes and I need to. We sometimes I need to just scroll on Facebook for an entire day. For Christ's that's sake! That's right. Sometimes you just can't. I can't even. That's the thing I say often. It's like I just I can't even right now. Yeah. And I have to know that about myself. It doesn't mean I won't get back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Very. It just means that by punishing myself is not the road back. Yeah. Well, it never works. No, it doesn't. And and I love that we're going to talk more about this. Carmen, thank you for coming on. Thank you for being so open. And I'm, oh, ex- I'm excited for people to hear you and I break down my issues, too, because right. I want to be vulnerable so the listeners can be vulnerable in their lives, too. And I know that's why you agreed to be on. So thank you. And you are welcome. I appreciate you helping me better myself and the listeners start to better and challenge themselves, too. Absolutely. This has been Push Diaries Podcast. Please visit our website at pushdiariespodcast.com to see our mission and learn more about the guests. This is your podcast, too. I want to hear your stories. Email me at pushdiariespodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com forward slash push diaries podcast. Thank you for listening.